people said. You know, that's an easy thing to say. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to do. And we're going to talk about that this morning, even with the uh, people of Israel in Exodus chapter 13. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Will you join me? Father, as we come together today to look into your word, there's so many needs here today, both with people who are present and those who are watching, that I can't possibly know. And I can't possibly address all of those needs. But I thank you, Lord. That's not my job. My job is simply to proclaim the word of God. And you, by your spirit, who knows each person intimately, who is with each person that is listening, the Holy Spirit is the one that takes the truth of the word and the principles taught in scripture and applies it to each life. So I pray for the sick. And I pray for their healing, but even more, I pray that they would have health in their soul. I pray for those who are discouraged, and I want to see them, Lord, lifted up emotionally. But more than that, I pray that they who are weary and heavy laden would come to you and find rest for their soul. I pray, Father, for people who have to make difficult decisions. They wonder what to do, and they wonder what the will of God is. None of us, we can advise and we can pray, but only you can lead and guide as we just sang about. And our prayer is that you would guide them where you want them to be and give them peace when they get into that situation. Some people are facing battles right now, and I pray that they would put on the belt of truthfulness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. I pray, Lord, that they would Take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. And I pray that they would stand and having done all to stand until you give them orders to march ahead. And I pray that they would have a taste of victory today because the victory is in Jesus. And Father, we pray whatever it is we're facing, whether it's grief or whatever it might be, I thank you that you are the answer. And I pray that you would give hope to your people today. Now, Lord, if we need the hope, give us the hope. Or maybe you could use us to be a hope giver to someone else. And may it all point to Jesus and his word. May it all be for his glory. And when that trumpet sounds, may we be found faithful in doing what you have commanded and equipped us to do. We live in such an awful, confused world. May we stand fast in the liberty that you have given us. And may we proclaim truth, whatever our situation may be. And may other people see Jesus in us. And it's in Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And as we said, turn to Exodus chapter 13. How many of you have ever used a GPS, say amen. Remember back when those were expensive and rare and you had to buy one of them? I bought a Magellan GPS one time and it was kind of neat. Drive along the road and it tells you where to turn and alerts you to those kind of things. I remember uh, Sammy and I were headed to uh, Georgia and when we got to Memphis at the Mississippi River, we crossed over that bridge. And there was always just this kind of hesitation. Uh, which way do we go now? 
it was so nice to have that lady say, stay in the right lane. And do it. Man, it was so smooth and it was so easy. And now you've got them on your phone. So uh, I don't know if they still Magellan or Garmin. Or, I don't know if they went out of business or not. But uh, now nearly everybody uses them. Have you ever had your GPS tell you to turn in a way that you questioned? Yeah, you go, well, what, what are they making me turn here for? I think I'll go the other way. Have you ever had your GPS be right and you be wrong? Occasionally, that might happen. I had one that uh, it was real annoying because every time you didn't do what the lady told you to do, you got this thing, rerouting, 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 as though that thing was trying to say, hey, idiot, listen to me, Right? And uh, I'm glad that on the phone uh, they don't do that. They just adjust to what you're doing. I kind of like it when people adjust to what I want to do. And uh, I thought about how often, how easy it used to be with maps to kind of get turned around. Sometimes uh, when we would be driving back in the day, uh, I might look around and go, I'm not sure what we do now. And then um, I would have Sammy look at the map. She is not a real good map person. And, uh, well, which way does the map go? North is that way, so turn your map around. And that didn't really make much sense to her. By the way, you look really pretty today. And, um, <laughs> and I like that color. And uh, as you think about those kind of things, it's easy to kind of get turned around, especially when you can't find your direction. It's nice to have some guidance. Now, when we find uh, the slaves in Israel coming out of Egypt... I want you to keep in mind, just setting them free was not the goal. If, they were, if that were the goal, just let me be free from slavery, then God would have said, okay, every man for himself. Have you ever noticed that whenever you're watching a movie and there's a battle going on, and then the captain says, every man for himself, that's not good. That's not good. That means you're in trouble. Bad trouble. You're either jumping off of the ship into the water or you're, you know, running to try to get away from the enemy, whatever it may be. And why is it that as Christians, so many of us think every man for himself, freedom, man, I can do whatever I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. That's what we kind of uh, run for. But every man for himself is called defeat and it's called disaster. So when God set the children of Israel free, the goal was not just the freedom. It was to get them to the land that he had promised to Abraham so many years before. The goal is to get them from Egypt into that land where he had promised where they could reside. And so he has a plan to get them there. And I wonder as we read this text, how many of the people when Moses said, let's go... And when they began to move, people said, why are we going this way? This isn't the way to go. And maybe their GPS is going rerouting, rerouting, because they did not take the shortest path to the promised land. And the text will show us that, and it's even going to tell us why. So we're going to talk about, when we sing, wherever he leads I go, does God know what he's doing? Does God have a plan? Does God ever have to reroute anything? And uh, we're going to try to answer those questions today to give you some hope in this crazy, crazy world. So let's go to Exodus 3, and we're at verse 17, okay? Exodus uh, 13, pardon me. 
uh, verse 17. Okay? If you found it, would you say amen? Okay. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Translation, that was the shortest, most direct way. Well, why did he do that? For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the... You might want to circle these words. By the wilderness of the... What? Red Sea. Ah, something significant about that, isn't there? And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. In other words, it wasn't every man for, them, for himself. It was orderly. Verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he, Joseph, had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. In other words, even Joseph knew, hey, this isn't your final home. And whenever you leave, take my bones, maybe even mummy, with you. Okay? Verse 20. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them. How did they get there? Day by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, um, sometimes you see in your Bible or you hear someone talk about the wilderness wanderings, they say. That's a bad term. Wandering implies they were just kind of willy-nilly going around in there. But the Bible tells us clearly, even during the wilderness times, they were being led from place to place to place. The Lord was always with them and always guiding them. And so when we come very shortly and we find the people of Israel trapped at the Red Sea, that was not because they made a mistake. That was not because of the devil. That was not because some random chance, some fate took them over. That was because they were led there. That was exactly where God wanted them to be. So let's think about some things about the leadership of God. And maybe it's in some ways that are a little bit foreign to you, but they're not foreign to the Word of God. And we've got to reroute and adjust what we do to the truth of the Word of God. Now, first of all, notice this, that God knows their capabilities. There was a way, if you look on the map in the back of your Bible, and you will notice that when they left Egypt, had they gone more to the north through the land of the Philistines, it was a whole lot closer to get to Canaan. But God didn't lead them that way. He has them go way out of the way, more down toward the south. And uh, why is he doing all of that? Well, God tells us. Because going through the land of the Philistines, I mean, if, if you know much about your Bible, you know that the Philistines have never been extremely friendly to the Jews. 
And God would be taking them the shortest, most direct route to Canaan would also be to lead them directly into war. And God knew they weren't ready for that. It's interesting, he calls them his army, but it's not a trained army yet. Yesterday I was going through uh, some of the stuff that my dad had and um, kind of organizing it and making sure it was all okay and figuring out what to do with it. And I found um, his picture of his platoon in uh, Camp Pendleton in 1952. And he was always proud of that because they were the honor platoon out of all of that and they were on their way to Korea to fight in the Korean War. Well... It's interesting to think that when my dad and those other men, when they first got off of the bus at Camp Pendleton, how ready for war were they? Now, they were sworn in as Marines, and they were called Marines. But they didn't have any rank at that point, and they didn't have any training or anything like that. But after basic training, they're physically ready, they're mentally ready, they're ready with their weapons. You know, by the time my dad got through with that, he was designated as a sharpshooter. And uh, those kind of things. He was ready. And so they send them out of basic directly into war. But they needed to go through basic training first. Now, they could do it, but they weren't ready to do it. And that's the way Israel was when they came out of slavery. They were armies. God calls them his armies. They're in orderly ranks. He's got a plan for all of them. But they haven't gone through basic training yet. They don't know how to handle those weapons. They've been slaves after all. And I'm going to make a wild guess. You probably, if you're a master over a people and they are your slaves, you probably don't want your slaves to be armed. Would that be a fair statement? You probably don't really want them to have weapons or they're going to be free. So these people have got to learn how to follow orders in a different manner. And they've got to learn how to use weapons. They've got to learn the different tactics. All of that is going to happen. And one day they're going to be a formidable force in terms of war and fighting. But not, not yet because God knows their capability. And he says that if we go that way, even though it's shorter, when they see war, they're going to turn around and run and they'll go back to Egypt. In other words, it's not going to be in their best interest and it's not according to my plan and my will for their life, so we're just not going to go there. I want to tell you, there are some things you want to do, you hope to do, and you think you're capable of doing, and God knows that you're not quite ready yet. It's going to take some time and he's very kind and he's very gracious that he does that and he doesn't just throw us in to the midst of battles where we're going to lose and where we can't handle it and where we'll get discouraged and we'll turn and run. He's got a different plan for all of that, even for those people and even for you. Secondly, um, I noticed here that everything that God does, as we already know, but there's a plan and there's a purpose. There's nothing random to anything that God does. So God leads his people with reason and purpose. So he leads his people by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Isn't that interesting? The Red Sea was going to terrify the people of Israel. The Red Sea was going to make them think that we've been led out here in order that we might die. God was leading them out there in order that they might see the power of God. And so often for you or me or the, any of the people of God, we don't really see the power of God until our options are gone. 
And so when you find Israel and they're unable to uh, stand against Goliath, all of a sudden a junior high kid shows up and then takes Goliath out with a slingshot. But you remember David said to Goliath, you may stand before me with a spear and a sword, but you lose because I stand before you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And oh, if the people of God, if you and I could really grasp that and get that for the problems that we face. Financial problems are going to come upon some of us. And you know what? We have to remember that my God shall supply all your needs. We have the resources of God, don't we? If he doesn't provide it, he doesn't require it. And uh, the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if there's anything in your life as you walk with God that he doesn't provide, it's because you don't need it or at least you don't need it at that particular time. This is a faith statement. And so when the people are being led by the wilderness of the Red Sea, God already knows exactly what he's going to do. The people don't. And the people panic. But yet they see the power of God. And when they walk through the Red Sea and get to the other side, oh, what a celebration that is. And isn't that just like us? Instead of celebrating before God does something because we believe and know he's going to take care of us, we have to wait until we see it, until we experience it, and then we get excited about it and talk about how good God is. Well, he's not good just because he takes you through the Red Sea. He's good all the time. He's good whether he does anything to your liking or not. He's just simply good because he is God. And so there's a purpose in all of this. And God doesn't take them through the shortcut because they can't handle it. But he also has something else that he has intended to do and is going to do. And you and I kind of get that in a way that they certainly couldn't. Thirdly, notice that they took the bones of Joseph. What in the world is that all about? And why is that in there? Well, here's the third point. God is God of the present. Amen for that. He's also God of the future. Amen for that. But let me tell you something else. He hasn't forgotten the past. There are promises that God made hundreds of years ago to a man named Abraham. And he even told Abraham, your descendants are going to be in Egypt. And it's going to be about four centuries before they come out. But they're coming back here to this land. And when I think about that promise, I'm glad God doesn't forget the promises of the past. I'm glad that we don't just have to deal with right now or something in the future. We have a firm foundation that has already been laid for us, and that is the faithfulness of God to his promises, to his word. Or can we say it like this? God is faithful to himself. To do everything that he has promised to do. And all of those things that he has promised you. All of those things that he has led you to. And all of those things that he has put on your heart. And all of those things that he has called you to. It may be that you're in a little bit of a wilderness right now. And you don't understand why your life has taken a weird turn. A weird turn. This is not what I expected. This is not what was supposed to happen. This is not the way it was supposed to work out. But God knows exactly what he is doing. When uh, my dad decided it was time for him to be released from active duty, he stayed in the reserves. We were living in 
Berlin, Germany. We had kind of taken a weird uh, trek. We had gone from Fort Riley, Kansas to San Francisco, California. When you're a seventh grader, that's a big change, right? And uh, then from San Francisco to Berlin, Germany. We lived there. And then my dad decides to get out of the army, off of active duty anyway, and we end up in Owasso, Oklahoma. I had never heard of much about Oklahoma. I really didn't know what an Owasso was. It means end of the trail is what it means. Boy, it felt like it. And I remember the uh, first day I was there, uh, I was walking over to the uh, school, and uh, this guy comes up to me, and remember where I had lived, San Francisco and Berlin. And this guy walks up and goes, what's your schedule? And I looked at him, and I held it up, and he goes, oh, you got old lady green. She's meaner than a wolf and a bar and a gang fight. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> Who am I, and why am I here? I mean, it was weird. It was a much smaller town then. And uh, I ended up loving it there. Ended up feeling bad for other people who didn't get to live there and go to school there. Uh, it was a great place during those years. During that time, my dad really struggled in his employment. There were uh, times he would put out resumes and all of that. And for five years, uh, he was asked to preach one time. He would go different places and make himself available and nothing, nothing, nothing. And he was pretty discouraged. But it was during that time that I sat under a pastor who preached verse by verse through the scripture. I'd never seen anybody do that before. It was during that time that I learned about the doctrines of grace. Had a Sunday school teacher write on the whiteboard, T-U-L-I-P, and do that. So I was well-schooled in that from the time I was a teenager. It was during that time that I met the man who would give me my first job in the ministry. It was during that time that I met my wife and her family. It was during that time that God changed my life. And yet during that time, my dad was saying, what's my purpose? Why isn't God using me? What am I going to do? In fact, at one point, I remember he said that he thought he was just going to turn his ordination papers in. Apparently, God was through with him. Well, as it turns out, God wasn't through with him. God needed to do something in me that was going to radically change my life and set the course for my life while my dad is struggling. And God opened up doors for dad. He became a prison chaplain after that and was able to retire from that and retire from army chaplaincy. And uh, yet at, those, at that time, during that five years, he couldn't figure it out. That was kind of a, like a Red Sea moment or something like that or a wilderness moment. And sometimes we tend to think that God has got us somewhere and he's forgotten about the promises of the past. God had called my dad into the ministry of preaching and for five years that was on hold and then God opened it up again. God knew what he was doing and God did something for me during those years as he set the course of my life for the next 40 years, a little bit more than that now, as he was working in order to uh, fulfill promises and purposes for the future. You see, the God of the past, the God that called you, Paul said he's faithful, right? And we need to remember that, and he's going to do what 
pleases him, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, the Bible says. He's also the God of the present. Wherever you are, by your Red Sea, by your wilderness, whatever's happening right now, he walks with you in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. He walks with you through his spirit and through his word to guide you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And he is also the God of the future that knows exactly how he is going to get you from where you are now to where it is you need to be. Somebody say amen to that. Because you can't figure it out. And your GPS is going rerouting, recalculating, rerouting, recalculating. And you're going, what is going on here? And God said, shut that thing off and follow my leadership. I know exactly what I'm doing. Because the Bible says, the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. You say, well, what if I make a mistake? They're still ordered of God. God knew you were going to make the mistake. And God walks with you to discipline you and to correct you and get you back where you need to be. And he's already made provision for your stupidity. He knows. And you can trust him. And you're going to make it. And you're going to be okay. And one of these days, you're going to be able to look at your life and say, He doeth all things well. Amen? And that's the way we live, and that's the hope that we have. So, what was going on here? Take the bones of Joseph. Why? That's the past. Joseph was a literal son of Israel, or Jacob, right? These other people were descendants way on down the line, but Joseph was... One of those, and remember he was sold into slavery? And remember how hopeless his life was as a slave in Egypt, not even in the land of promise? How can God ever use me here in Egypt, in this pagan land? And you remember then when he does what's right with Potiphar's wife, he ends up being accused of rape and ends up in prison for that. And you remember that when he was in prison, that when he met with the king's butler and baker who were imprisoned as well, when uh, they were free, they forgot him. Well, one of them died, the other one forgot him. And Jacob just is languishing there. And then one day, one day, Guards come and say, get cleaned up, get shaved, change your clothes. You've got an audience with Pharaoh himself. And Joseph then is able to interpret the dream of Pharaoh and give Pharaoh advice. And Pharaoh says, where do we find anyone any wiser than you? And Joseph goes from prisoner to number two in the kingdom. I want to tell you, folks, your life can change so fast, it'll make your head swim. And in ways you never could have imagined, Joseph did not have any goals or visions of becoming second in command in Egypt. And it sure didn't look like any kind of a possibility and yet there are two words, but God. And I will say for your situation, whatever it is, you got family problems? It may look like there's no way out. It may look like there's no way to get anything resolved, but God. You start thinking about employment and where you are and where you would like to be and what your capabilities are, but you don't know how you're going to get from where you are now to where you really want to be, but God. You think about anything that may come up in your life, those two words change everything just like they did to Joseph. So carrying the bones of Joseph and taking them is Joseph speaking to his descendants 400 years later saying, Egypt is not even the place I want my bones to rest. I want to be in the promised land. I want to be in the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Carry me whenever you leave. You know what Joseph 
Joseph was saying way back then, we're not going to be here forever. This is not our final destination. This is not home. This is not where the people of God end up. You're going to go back. God's going to visit you, and you're going to go back. I don't know that Joseph knew anything about the slavery or anything like that, but God did, and God now is telling them, I will honor the past, What I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Joseph. I am with you now through the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And I will be with you when you get into the land of Canaan. Because that is the land of promise. And I do everything that I have promised. And I do all things well. Let that encourage your heart today. And then we get to the fourth thing. And we notice that... God is preparing his people for success and not failure. It may have looked like God has brought us out here to kill us. God has brought us out here and Pharaoh's army is going to come back and we're either going to be enslaved or we're dead. What good was all of this? And the people are going to panic at the edge of the Red Sea. But God already knows exactly what he's going to do. He doesn't have to scramble. He doesn't have to come up with a plan. He knows exactly what he is going to do. And that is true for you and it's true for me as well. God is not leading us into defeat. He is leading us into victory. The Red Sea was going to be one of those experiences that was a defining point. It's mentioned in the Old and the New Testament, a defining point, a turning point for the Jews. They walked across on dry land. The Egyptians are destroyed. God is saying, I didn't bring you here to let you be defeated. I didn't bring you here to abandon you. I didn't bring you here to let the enemy take your life over. I brought you here so that you might see my mighty power because you're going to need that in the wilderness. You're going to need that whenever you go into the land of Canaan. And so in this last section, it says they took their journey and they camped and they're there on the edge of the wilderness. They don't have a clue what is getting ready to happen. But here's what it says. The Lord went before them day by day in a, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. This was no accident. This is not something that they just stumbled into and then God came to the rescue. This is the sovereign plan and purpose of God. And in your life, wherever you are and wherever you find yourself today, God is still leading you. God is still with you. And God is still rescuing you. God is still preserving you. God is still watching over you because he's got more for you to do because if he didn't, he'd just take you on home. And that would be fine too, wouldn't it? And either way we go, it's a win-win situation for the people of God because God is the one leading us. So why is God doing this backwards? Why doesn't he take them the shortest route? What's going on? Well, there's more to the story than just God said they'll turn back in war. God had given Moses a promise back in Exodus 3.12. And he said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, listen to this, you shall serve God on this mountain. What mountain was that? Well, sometimes it's called Horeb. Other times it's called Sinai. God told Moses, when I have met you at the burning bush, there in the mountain range of Horeb by Mount Sinai, you're coming back. 
And one of these days you're going to remember this, and that's going to be the sign that I am with you. God is taking them not just to the Red Sea experience. He's taking them to Mount Sinai to fulfill a promise that he had given to Moses. And also that's the place, remember, where God gives the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. There's a rendezvous with destiny in all of our lives. There are some places and uh, situations we would never choose or never understood. But God says, no, you have to be at this particular place at this particular time for this particular situation. And God is leading us to those things. So let me conclude here just by just telling you that God knows where you are. And he knows what you're able to handle. To also think about this, God has led you to where you are, even if it's in discipline, and he can still lead you out. Your present situation is not without purpose. I would also remind you that God's faithfulness, power, promises, and purpose haven't changed, even if you have, even if the world has. God is an unchangeable God. The bones of Joseph, Joseph remind us that. And in spite of you, in spite of your environment, and in spite of your situation, there are divine appointments for you and them. And just like in my dad's situation, those five years really wasn't about him, even though it included him. It was a whole lot more about me and my future. God has some things that he has for you to do, to go through, and it may not even be totally about you. I remember one time sitting in a Bible conference, and uh, Mike Speck is the... Uh, one who has put together the Christmas musical the choir is going to use. And he's been in our church before. But I remember one time his wife, Faye, back when she used to sing from the piano, she sat down and I'd never heard this song before. And it said, In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God, lead, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley and darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Though sorrows befall us and evils oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. Away from the mire and away from the clay, God leads his dear children along. Away up in glory, eternity's day, God leads his dear children along. But here's the chorus that goes in between each of these verses. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. You know why? Because wherever you are and whatever you're going through, your only way out is this. God leads you along. But it's not just in rescue to get you out. Your life will never make sense until you put it in perspective. Even where you are right now, that was by the leading of God. 
even if it was in loving discipline and loving, lovingly letting you go and experience the consequences of your sin, God is still with you. God is still leading you. And the God of the past is the God of the present and the God of the future. And the key in all of that is what? God leads his children along. There's a future and a hope for you as a child of God. So if you've never trusted him as your Savior and Lord, my prayer is, whether you're watching by live stream or whether you're here, that today the Spirit of God will bring you to brokenness, to understand you cannot trust in yourself and you have no hope in and of yourself or your circumstances or anything else. But Jesus died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice, the full payment for your sin. He rose from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is exalted as Lord of all and one day he's going to return and if you will turn from your sins and trust in him and confess him as Lord the Bible promises whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved have you ever done that if you have will you say amen and if you haven't will you call upon the name of the Lord he leads his children along let's pray together Lord, as we end this time together, we need the encouragement of the Scriptures. And I pray that we all are receiving that because the Holy Spirit is putting that in our heart. That we're reevaluating where we are, how we got here, and where we're going. And we understand that is all under your control. May we learn, and may we grow, and may we trust, and may we glorify you in every situation. May we never put our hope in Whoever is elected as president, may our hope be in God. May we never put our hope in the resources that we have or we see around us. May our hope always be in God. And when we're in that darkest time in our life, let the light of truth shine brightly. You are with us. You are victorious. And you are leading your children home. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. Amen. Amen.